Here we are with the 23rd episode of the Crusader Podcast. Tonight we're going to be talking about uh, the module Assault on Blacktooth Ridge. That's A1 by Davis Chenault. I know that I've got a lot of experience with this particular module. I run it a lot at cons. Have any of you ran it before? I have not run it. Um, I've read through it, but I have not run it. Um, Although, to be fair, the copy I have is a really old PDF from 2005, so I don't know if any updates have been made since then to it. I've not run the adventure itself, but I did lift Kruggle's Lair to use as a wilderness encounter before. It was fun. I have never ran this or played in it, and I I was the one who asked to... uh talk about this because i know (laughs) that it's a favorite of jesse's and since jesse liked it so much i wanted to see you know what the big deal is and give me myself an excuse to read it and maybe run it someday uh to be fair that's how i pick my picks for save for half a lot Uh of the time it's like i i want to read this and i will not read it unless i give myself an excuse to read it by an upcoming show so hey let's do a show on this and that Mm. makes me read it (laughs) Because now it's homework, and you have to. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess cat's out of the bag. I really do love uh, this module, um, so I should start this episode prefacing that um, there are some things that I I think could have been done better in it. But overall, I got a really positive view of the module. I think right off the bat, the thing that really jumps out to me about A one is it has a lot of the qualities of um, keep on the borderlands and hamlet that i really like kind of mixed in together it's got the sandbox feel of keep on the borderland along with all the detailed npcs and the town part of hamlet did you guys get that feel when you read it well i definitely got a keep on the borderlands vibe uh, I didn't think of Hamlet so much, um, but um, I guess what I did get off of it, if I can think of the name of that module, uh, the one with the snake cult in it, I'm totally against blanking on that. Against the cult of that. the reptile god. Yes, against N1. the cult of the reptile god. Um, I got, yeah, I got that kind of vibe off the town. So if I was going to describe it, I would probably say it was a mesh of reptile god and but yeah i totally get what you're saying though that's really funny because i think when we had davis on those were the three modules he listed as modules that he reread in order to write this module Um, I don't, I think we may have glossed over this, Jesse, before we get too deep in the weeds here, you've run this a whole lot, right? Isn't this your like go-to convention game? Yeah. One of, one of two, I run this, um, I'd say I've probably ran this the last three years at not, okay. Three normal years. So not 21 and 20. Um, yeah, I've ran it at Gen Con, Gary Con, Game Hole Con, um, quite a few times. It's usually like. That's my standard one, and then I pick like one or two other games to run. Um, yeah, so I've I've maybe ten times probably oh, wow. ran it at conventions, somewhere around there. It it's definitely an abbreviated version of the full module, though. Um, on uh, so we talked about um, keep on the borderlands on Saver Die recently, and one of the things I kind of 
pointed out is that that module sits so much in my memory as being so great but partly that's because I keep going and running it. So I have a lot of <laughs> gaming memories attached to that module that that exists because I just simply ran it a whole bunch. And, and I feel like that is an interesting way to look at what we could perceive as classic modules because this is kind of, or at least one of the classic modules of Castles and Crusades is they kind of snowball because people start running them and talking about them. Someone else starts running them and talk about them. But the gaming experiences you have with them are what kindle that nostalgia or that appreciation of the module. Definitely. And Keep on the Borderlands is my favorite adventure overall. I would be happy replaying that module over and over again as a player or running it as a DM. Um, so Assault on Blacktooth Ridge is kind of, kind of scratches that itch where... Mm-hmm. It's another adventure that's similar to it that you can run with the same people that you've played with before or with other people. I feel like if you're comfortable with B1 then you or B2, then you can easily jump right into this one. It's very similar. I think um, one part that I don't utilize very much is all the NPCs, though. There's a ton of NPCs yeah. in here. Lots of... Um, backgrounds for the NPCs, there's intrigue going on. And that's something that I've always uh, struggled with is in pre-written adventures, keeping track of, okay, this person does this, they're on this side, you know, this is their name, this is the unique things <laughs> about them. Even remembering that they exist is is difficult for me. If I had um, to state one thing that I really didn't like about this module, it was... The, the NPCs. I I really think, I mean, I could see what Davis was trying to do and A forever, but he way overcomplicates things, in my opinion, with these NPCs. Not everybody has a secret goal or secret scheme. <laughs> I mean, my God, it's, it's like the beggar has a secret that has <laughs> to be protected. I mean, come on. Yeah, need one of those giant yeah. whiteboards with the strings yeah. crisscrossing all over the place, attack, attaching people to other people. You know? and, and maybe that would work in a long-term campaign that was just set there and nowhere else. But most of the time, in my experience, parties go into an area, zap all the bad guys, and then move on. Yeah, it is. It is sort of like it's planting seeds for a campaign. Uh, but it doesn't have quite enough dungeon for a campaign. And mm-hmm. I, I know Slag Heap is sort of the um, sequel to this. I know it's in a similar part of Aired, uh, but it's not at... Uh, uh, I forgot the name of the town. It's not at... Bodenberg. Um, is that a reference to Bodenberg, do you think? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> 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 I, 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 Steve I has for... lifted actual town names for Aird, so it wouldn't surprise me. I just try to find old school Easter eggs in every <laughs> thing I read. Uh, Botkinburg, yes. Um, uh, so, you know, if there's all this information around Botkinburg and this is the only module that they have that takes place in Botkinburg, that does seem like a lot of planting for uh you know trees that are never going to grow unless yeah. i mean you just decide this is your base of operations and you keep going back to Bachtenberg. 
Well, I know it's a standard idea troll for Troll Lord, or at least it used to be when I was writing modules for them, that any module, half the module needs to be setting. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. I know some people like that personally. If I had my druthers, it would be one-third, two-thirds. Two-thirds adventure. One-third mm. setting. But, so, you know, if you're going to have that much setting, you got to give a lot of detail, I suppose. Right. And well, that and that is one way that it differs greatly from Keep on the Borderlands. It's Keep on the Borderlands. <laughs> yeah, it's had, the opposite extreme. <laughs> had, had setting, but it was like... There's an elf, and they'll just say elf. <laughs> It'll be like yeah. that's what you get. And here that's... is Castellan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Third level cleric, secretly evil. You know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I am third level cleric. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's convenient. So, and and in some ways, um, in some ways, in in th in that module that was freeing. In the way that in this module, keeping up with those NPCs and figuring out, okay, who's gunning for who and who has what secret motive, um, you know, that that supplies a level of work to the castle keeper that some castle keepers really love and some castle keepers are really good at. Um, and I think if you're a castle keeper that just wants a, a dungeon crawl, this this module could provide that as well. You would just kind of have to uh, ignore a lot of the... Um, Machiavellian machinations of the uh, uh, all of the everybody. <laughs> have have either of you guys seen the Ghostbusters remake a few years ago? No, I have not. No. Oh well, never mind then. <laughs> well, there's there's a scene where one of the characters they their base is over a, a Chinese restaurant, mm -hmm. and. Throughout the movie, it's a running gag. She orders wonton soup, and it's always this pile of soup with one tiny little wonton floating in it. You know, and she constantly complains. And, mm -hmm. you know, then at the end, after they save the city, she gets this bowl that's nothing but wontons. Mm -hmm. And she's like, All I want is a reasonable ratio of wonton to soup. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I feel like when you compare the background to. Blacktooth with Keep on the Borderlands. It's like <laughs> just something reasonably in the middle would be nice. <laughs> Either one tiny wonton or nothing Not but wontons. Yes, or nothing <laughs> but wontons, yes. Yeah, so I think the, the NPCs are definitely cumbersome. Um, this is uh, the second installment of the A series. The first one is A Zero the Rising Night, which we reviewed previously. And that like one kind that. of teaches you how to play. This mm -hmm. one is like a true starting adventure sandbox. Mm -hmm. And with campaign all those... Yeah, campaign seed. Yeah. Uh, but with all those NPCs, it makes it difficult for new players because they're going to have to keep track of all that um, and learn how to do all those different personalities and everything. And I think it's also difficult for... Uh, experienced castle keepers too because you know you are kind of hemmed in with those npcs if you run it directly out of the book well i don't know how much you trimmed to do when you ran this at cons i trimmed the entire town okay <laughs> we, we start that's, outside of that's not something else that seemed to stick out to me that i don't 
really know, was it just my point of view or did anyone else notice? Yeah, over half of the, if you're assuming a party of first or second level characters, you know, starting out, is it just me or did over half the town residents equal or higher level than the party would be? Well, I did notice a lot of people in the town had squirreled away tremendous amounts of gold and jewelry for people who are just, you know, out in the middle of BFE. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's a, it's like, wow, that's a lot of money. Why are you still living out in the middle of nowhere? (laughs) I feel like, I feel like the high level uh, non-player wontons is like, um, Uh, it's murder hobo insurance, you know, it's just a way to like, Oh, you think you're going to cut through this town, huh? That's true. <laughs> a, lot also, of, a, lot of, a lot of fifth level paladins around here to be doing that. <laughs> he does kind of go out of his way, explain the personalities. All the high level characters have a reason why they wouldn't be helping the adventurers like, mm-hmm. in the actual dungeon or anything like that. Some of them are like old, washed up, lazy, some of them are treacherous, greedy. He does a good job, I think, of mm. giving them excuses of why this uh, band of goblins is raiding the area and mm. not being dealt with. This Meh. is a this is a total non sequitur on uh, on non player wontons, but the wizard <laughs> eighth I've level wizard. Here. Yes, not, I'm, I'm rolling with it. Eighth level wizard. Uh, uh, first time I read his name. All Daddyus. Yes. <laughs> and, and I was like, that's probably supposed to be like all Dadeus or something or something. But I was like, nope, all Daddyus. Uh, all Daddyus. Hey, Big Daddy. Steven Davis, who knows? <laughs> I mean, it could very well be all Daddyus. All Daddyus. He's, he's a favorite with the ladies. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's the dad bod wizard. <laughs> But yeah, did you notice that Aldadius and um, the the other wizard, um, Melinimus, like you, if you have four or more syllables in your name, you are a wizard. <laughs> all, all the all the wizards have very flowery names. Ooh, hmm. My last wizard, Cindriana. Uh huh. Yeah. There you go. I am Riboflavin Fingleflower. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys uh, catch the halfling name in there? Megarin Paracook? Oh, I... that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's my personal favorite. <sighs> I liked Jared the Spleen Hale. The best part of his character description is that no explanation is given as to why he is called the Spleen. I see. That's for humor, but that's what I enjoy as a CK Mm -hmm. when I'm running a game, is I want just an idea or two, and then let me run the rest. Well, here's my idea. Millennimus is a millennial wizard. (laughs) (laughs) And Aldadius is a boomer wizard. (laughs) Hey, damn kids. (laughs) (laughs) on the other hand you know i know to a degree i'm not the audience that black tooth was made for Mm -hmm. you know this is i believe ostensibly supposed to be for new ck's well yeah there's a there's something to consider there because you know castles of crusades is a game that uh uh in its making 
was to provide a game for people that have already been playing for quite a while. It's not that they weren't wanting new players to come to CNC, but you know, uh, when we think about these terms, like if we look at keep on the borderlands, that was meant to be the first time you ever looked at an RPG product. And that's probably not going to be as likely to happen with a salt on black tooth Ridge. So having all of these NPCs and having all this stuff to manage, well, a lot of people who are coming to CNC have been running games for years, if not decades. And, uh, you know, it's a different expectation of point of entry. I guess. I mean, I know the reality, but there's still that part of me that always kind of hopes that this is somebody's that when you're doing a low level module, you ought to at least, you know, take the idea that this could be somebody's first product. Absolutely. And it, it was my nephew's first RPG, Castles and Crusades. He oh, used to okay. call it Castles and Curse Raids. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, I like very that. adorable. So how curse is his curse rate? rate? He did okay. All right. <laughs> Good to know. Um, I will say I love that there is a rumor table because I'm all about rumor tables. Yeah. I don't love that there is no specification of which ones are true and which ones are false on the table. Um, oh, I thought that was my scan. No, it, there's there's nothing there that designates which ones are the true ones and which ones are the false ones. Now, if you read through the module, you will figure it out which ones are actually mm. true, but it would have been very helpful to have, you know, just at a glance knowing, okay, the, these rumors are true, you know, and if you want to deliberately sprinkle, you know, true and false rather than rolling randomly, mm -hmm. um, you know, that could be very helpful as or to what you're going to throw out on purpose. Or depending on who the rumor is coming from. You really, right. you really, if someone seems really shady and not, you know, just bragging and talking big and don't really know what they're talking about, you don't really don't really want them to have like the lockstone rumor that's definitely going to save the party um what did y'all think of the first personness of of the rumor table yeah it was a bunch of you know quotes you know yeah, you're overhearing people talking um yeah i could see how that could be helpful for someone who is not very good at you know quote-unquote role-playing out things as a dm on the other hand if you are used to doing that the phrasing might be stilted to the way you would want the character to talk and you'd want to rephrase um so yeah depending on where you're coming from it's either a good thing or it kind of stifles you a bit so the way i do rumors is i like this approach because I don't role play the rumor encounters usually. I think it's boring. So what I do is is a game that has rumors like this, usually I will write the rumors out on an index card. So in this it's nice because it's quote. The, the player can decide if they overheard it or someone said it to them or whatever. And then they roll a d12 and I give you the appropriate card. And then you determine if you want to share it with everybody else, keep it to yourself, etc. So, yeah, I think at first glance, it is kind of weird to have the quotes, um, especially if you try to shoehorn those into a conversation. Yeah. Um, but in I've past noticed... tense, I, I kind of like it. 
Yeah, sometimes, um, you know, people that we've played with, you know, the DM is very obviously trying to insert a word-for-word quote from the module into the conversation that he's role-playing with us. And Yeah, and it always sounds stilted because it's not coming off the cuff from him the way everything else is. And you can tell which bits he's reading off of and which bits he's doing himself. The adventures. Um, for what they are, they're, they're pretty good. Um, I like the bubbling cauldron. That was a nice variance on the Mad Hermit. <laughs> but done in a way that, you know, it could be helpful, but... I especially like how they set up the NPC, but I think go- the dwarf with the club foot and the and the huge hunch was really kind of going <laughs> over the top here. <laughs> but yeah, I think more of that and less of the village. What I would have enjoyed a whole third complex or something. I mean, you don't have to do like keep on the borderlands with the caves of chaos, you know, or as I like to call it, the strip mall of monsters. <laughs> um, but I think a little more adventure would have been good in here. So do you think that the reason why we all kind of had the issue with NPCs is, and obviously we don't play games with each other all the time, but it seems like we all kind of run more dungeon crawls, old school type adventures, as opposed to some people that are, are more into social encounters. Do you think that, you know, we're a little biased on that and if you were a social encounter person you might have a different opinion Mm, i don't know i mean i do think mike has a good point that there's too many people in this little town that have a secret agenda oh yeah i don't know how you can keep them there's i can't i could never ever keep these yeah i mean realistically you'd have you know at least three quarters of the townsfolk just be exactly what they look like they are. You know, they're all going to be boring and only a few of them are going to have, you know, s- weird stuff, secrets being kept and, you know, things that they're trying to, you know, find out. And, you know, most people um, are as boring as they appear to be. I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> um. One of the things that did stand out to me about the townsfolk, and this just kind of got funnier and funnier as I was reading through, but it's like, you have Fritz the farmer, drinks to excess, (laughs) to the point where his wife wants to poison him. Six brothers, the woodsmen, a jovial lot who drink too much and work too little. The fisherman spends most of his time at the bar drinking away his daughter's catch. Mrs. Eldon spends a good deal of time tipping back mugs of brew. And Barstow Frizzyfoot, often found drinking brew and laughing to himself. And by the time I got to him, I'm like, holy shit, this entire town is a bunch of alcoholics. (laughs) If you don't get help at Charter, please get help somewhere. It's like, there's a lot of drinking going on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you grew up in a rural small town, <laughs> there's not a lot to do. Especially when I the guess. Water isn't trustworthy. 
I'm not oh. sure the sludge being <laughs> served at the local tavern is that sludge or is that trustworthy either. But safer yeah. than the water, I guess. But so what you're saying is is you could have a whole Alcoholics Anonymous campaign. Yeah. yeah. As soon as the players start drinking to excess, I mean the characters. Um, but getting back to what Jesse was saying, I I don't know. I mean, I like to think that I run as much of a social game as I do dungeon crawls, but I like to riff off the players and react, have my play, my NPCs react to how the players are acting mm-hmm. rather than being pre-scripted. Well, and there's a, you know, there's it, it, it almost like if you want a town to feel like a sandbox then then the motives can't be as concrete and the actions can't be as concrete and the who's trying to backstab who can't be as concrete because it's still a, it, a social sandbox is one where the player actions can change the outcome of the NPC's actions. And it seems like you would get lost in the weeds with this much information from doing mm-hmm. that. Um, the what yeah. I want when I run a non-player character is I want to know what they want and what they're willing to do to get it, and that's really the information I need to run them against my players' actions. Yeah. Whereas sometimes reading Botkinberg, I got the feeling this was like Andy Griffith's Mayberry meets Game of Thrones. <laughs> wow. Or EastEnders. Wow. Or EastEnders, yeah. EastEnders. Yeah, I'm a big better. fan of both of those shows, and that terrifies <laughs> me to consider that. Hey, chaos oh, is a ladder, Andy. <laughs> Give me a bullet, Andy. Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> you bullet. Got my, Winter is coming. Got my one crossbow bolt. <laughs> Oh. I have such great memories of, of watching Andy Griffiths with my great grandma, and they're all tarnished now. Nip, nip, nip it in the ice. Yep. You're welcome. Oh man, that's uh. wonderful. Okay, God, who was who was the uh, the high garden lady from Game of Thrones? Like I could, oh. uh, you could just replace, you could merge her and Aunt B together. I think I that would be a exactly great character. Where, I knew exactly where you were going, and it was funny already before you oh, said it. No. Oh man, that's great! I want to run Opie's this now. I'm very excited. No, <laughs> Opie, let him know it was me. <laughs> it was B. It was B. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I don't even know where to go from here. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's the town. <laughs> can someone explain to me how pixies in the woods, little pixies you can fight, have only do one to two damage because they're so tiny, but they have two to 20 gold pieces on them each. All the people who don't set out food and drink for them, they steal from. But how are they <laughs> carrying two to 20 pieces of gold when they're like, you know, three and in- four inches tall? They're I think, size I think, they're, I think they're bigger gold. than that. No, I, I think um, uh, 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 pixies are like two feet tall. 
So oh, like, I, I think they were so. smaller than that. Um, I could be wrong. I okay, I could be the gig of AD&D <laughs> Pixies. So, but anyway, that just stuck out to me. Two to twenty gold. Well, even two feet tall—that's a backpack. <laughs> well, it depends gold. if you. Th- it depends if you think of a gold coin as like a big doubloon of like. Well, you know, of course uh, it is, <laughs> as Gary Gygax taught <laughs> us. And bite your tongue. Okay, I play They're with magic. gold. Too, pretty small. <laughs> They're magic. They can do what they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're moving out of the town. So I think um, <laughs> we should talk about how there's multiple locations here. This this is it's definitely a sandbox, but different than half, really. But anyway, yeah. It, it it this module really could use a hex map. Yeah, yeah. There, it's really kind of hard to to visualize where Krugel's lair is compared to the troll bridge compared to uh Blackstooth Ridge compared to the dungeons in here. Um, it, 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 with a, a hex map would have really helped. And I think it has probably more information on the map that's provided than you need. Uh, a, a focused hex map of just kind of the, uh, adventure locations. I would have appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, so Mike, you said you you used Krugel's Lair in a different game? Yeah. uh, Honestly, I can't remember if it was Castles and Crusades or BX. Um, But yeah, I I liked Krugel's Lair enough that I kind of lifted it, and when they were wandering through the woods, I had them on a totally different adventure. I had them do a side thing to Krugel's Lair because it was fun. I especially like that kind of back door of his. With the magic, which I don't want to yeah. give too much away, but right. Well, I want to come back to giving too much away later because there's one thing about this module that does really irritate me. <laughs> I but think it's for, okay to give stuff away. I assume the the vast no. majority of yeah. our, but it's only uh, 16 years old, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> no, what Spoilers. irritates me? What irritates me about it today and the same thing 16 years ago is why do you put the big monster on the cover? I don't oh, like. Don't don't get me started on cover. <laughs> I don't like that, and I I hate it when they do that. I I was just furious when Shadows of the Half Life Hall came out, and you had that cover. And I'm like, oh great, you just kind of gave the back the secret away. Thanks, guys. Uh, but what about your other module where the cover <sighs> never, ever happens at any point in the adventure? Because somebody <laughs> wanted to draw a bunch of satyrs dragging a chained dryad. That's why. <laughs> didn't, give, didn't, give the, didn't give the secret away. Fair point. Fair point. Okay. <laughs> that. It, yeah. Okay. Right. I'll buy that. I mean, it reminded me of the um, National Lampoon's Board of the Rings, mm-hmm. you know, where they have that little blurb in the inside cover that's kind of softcore porn. <laughs> and as you read the actual book, that never, ever <laughs> happens at any point in the book. And that's what the cover to Mike's other adventure kind of reminded me of. It's like, oh, let's show a little bit of skin, get people, eh, eh, Ooh, never happens. Yeah, never <laughs> happens. It's like, wait a minute, what a ripoff. <laughs> I will say, 
about the cover is it's got a really cool action hero halfling on it and i really like seeing a really cool action hero halfling he's not he's not worried about second breakfast he's not quivering in his in his uh well i guess he can't quiver in his boots quiver uh, in his <laughs> foot foot fur yeah <laughs> but he's he's taking it to it he's he's getting in that fight that's right second breakfast is pure protein because he's got to keep up his muscles yeah. yeah i think it's a cool picture it's just i mean I hard to have the the module sitting there because your players are, of course, they're going to look at the cover. I mean, that's the one yeah. thing that they should be looking at. Yeah, when are we going to get to that? <laughs> I used uh, this adventure and Kruggles Layer particularly in my one attempt at running a, a fifth edition game. Mm. And one thing I really like about Kruggles Layer is the shield, which is, you know, just a throwaway thing in here. Mm. But when I tried doing that fifth edition game, um, my players latched onto that shield and um, took that as like a questing item uh, that they were going to return to the giants. So I think that that's one thing I really like about this adventure is there are little things like that, that, I mean, you can put them in there, you can ignore them, um, but they are little adventure seeds. Of course, yeah. that session only lasted like three t- or that adventure only lasted like three sessions and we gave up on fifth edition, but um yeah i like that yeah i mean having little things like that and adventures is fun um and yeah yeah nine top players out of ten are just gonna melt it down for the whatever they can get for it and you know or or hawk it at the first town they get but the tenth one might find you know as you said latch on to it and make that a, a whole quest thing also when i run it I don't remember if it's actually because I've run it so much and I've customized it. I I don't think that Kruggle is in league with the Red Caps, but um, when I run it for conventions, I have him as like hired muscle for the Red Caps. So Very they on the borderlands they, of you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean, there's like some hints at that that the players usually pick up on. Because when you're running a convention game, you know, it's much different. You don't have the liberty of, of multiple sessions to explore a place. Um, so I think Kruggle is like a, a good stepping stone. The Troll Bridge also, before you get to the actual main dungeon of the adventure. Kind of like a warm-up or, or something. Yeah, and I believe, you know, you can find a map in Kruggle's lair that will yes, yeah, get you to that. the that will get you to the dungeon, quote unquote. Um the Vargalg or whatever it's called. Um, so yeah, Kruggle is pretty cool in in this in this um, module. You can play him completely straight and serious, or you can make him a little goofy. I think he works either way. Especially with his mistaking of halflings as <laughs> yes as, pi- as pigs. <laughs> And yeah, I think another encounter or two like that in the module would have really helped. I think given the whole area more of a sandbox adventure location long term. But I get the feeling, you know, probably in three or four sessions, depending on how often you play, these this the quote unquote adventuring aspects of this could be finished off. Yeah, Kruggle's Lair, I mean, that's a... You do that in one session, probably. Yeah, done in assume. one there. And then the, um, the dun- other dungeon would be, what, two 
maybe. Yeah, probably two. Maybe you could stretch it to three. Some yeah. of the encounters are kind of tough, so there might be some back and forth. But mm-hmm. How far do you yeah. usually get with this when you run it as a one-shot? Oh, I slam it through all the way. I don't okay. mess around. <laughs> and at a cons, people expect that. You know, they're not going to, well, wait, I right. want to sit here and talk to the tavern keeper for the next hour. Like, yeah, no, I, I imagine... I imagine for a convention game, you would either start with Kruggle as or the troll as a way to get the information to get you to the dungeon, and most of your convention play would deal with going through the dungeon itself. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's exactly how I do it. You know, they encounter Kruggle, uh, his lair, and then usually after they defeat him, I have like some goblins that are are coming up the road or the path up to him to ask for help. And that's kind of the segue to go and look at the Varlog. Varglog. Varglog. The other dungeon. (laughs) The place. And I have had it running conventions too where like we didn't get through it. And I was like, okay, we're going to have to fast forward, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. And then we do the last encounter. Have you ever tried running it for a regular game outside of con? Yep. I've How started a CNC work? game and a that 5th edition game. Um, it, I think it works well. If, But again, I think it's heavily painted with Keep on the Borderland brush. Right? Like, I, I love that adventure, and I run this adventure similar to that one. Mm-hmm. Which, as you guys pointed out, you know, there's not a lot of town stuff in Keep on the Borderlands. Not a lot of detail, anyway. I don't spend yeah. hardly any time in town on keeping the borderlands. It's just a place to rest. And I use Bachenberg in a similar fashion. Hmm. I, w- I will say about the Vargolg, and this is maybe just a personal preference, uh, you know, uh, as far as dungeon design goes, is it, it there's not a lot of interconnectivity within the dungeon. There's only one path within the uh, main dungeon of the Vargolg that bypasses another path, uh, meaning that it ends up in a lot of dead ends. A lot of places you go, you hit a dead end, and there's not a lot of uh, rooms connecting to other rooms that you can kind of blaze your own trail. You, You sort of have to do the steps that are there for you to get through the dungeon in its entirety. So kind of like going through an Ikea store. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things I I really like to... (laughs) You've got one path to get through Ikea, and (laughs) that's all. That's all you can do. (laughs) They veer off, but they don't ever reconnect elsewhere. So you will veer off one direction and then backtrack, veer off another direction and then backtrack. So kind of like wings. As opposed to something like... um, you know, the, the Xenopus sample dungeon, um, you have a lot of different ways of getting places and, and you can kind of choose your own pathway in that and end up at the same place you would have if you had gone south or the same place you would have if you had gone east, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of that, that level of exploration uh, uh, some of it's missing when the trails are so linear. See, True. I have a uh, an opposing view of that. Okay, one of the I'm all for suspension of disbelief in role playing. 
Okay, we're playing games with wizards and elves and dragons. But one thing that's always hard for me to get over is in a dungeon where there are a lot of intersections and and um, adjoining halls and rooms is once combat starts, everybody next door in that room, realistically, and a few rooms away, is going to open the door and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not just going to sit in a room and wait for you to come in and kill them after you killed the neighbors next door. So I I like I prefer dungeons like this because in the Var Vargolg, if you go to the right and you go into the kitchens and stuff like that, I mean if you attack the cook and his servants and all the goblins that are eating in the hall run in and attack you and, and you have that combat, that's realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fine. And if you go up the middle and you get into the chapel and stuff like that, you know, if everything comes out, that's fine. If you go to the left and you get into all the bedrooms and things like that, again, realistically, I mean, those all can turn into one big encounter as opposed Mm -hmm. to little ones. That might just be a sticking point on me. It's just something I've I've always struggled with in in role-playing games. No, that's interesting because we're basically thinking of it as both gameplay preferences, um, but mine is 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 about the exploration pillar of gameplay, where yours is about the combat pillar of gameplay. And it reminds me of something that original D and D always pointed out that seems to have gotten lost even in as early as the late seventies was. This idea that when you were dealing with a dungeon, eight or nine rooms out of every ten are going to be empty. Mm -hmm. And in that kind of circumstance, you don't have people in the next room. You know, you've got this extra room to maneuver or to Mm -hmm. fight and maybe not be heard or not much, etc., etc. But it's something that didn't really stick. I mean, it's like... Because empty rooms are boring. I've played in games like that too, right. where it is like eight out of ten. And it's uh, I played in a Gamma World adventure, and and the guy his dungeon was like that, and it it was like okay, 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 okay. <laughs> like I want to fight too, you know. Like two out of three rooms being empty. All right, but when you go through seven rooms and it's like, come on, there's got to be something to kill around here somewhere. Uh, and then you wonder. Is that done by design to get the players, you know, just kind of, you know, off their, yeah, dull, off their guard. It's like, oh, it's another empty room. And then wham, suddenly it's not an empty room. (laughs) And it's like, ah, okay. You know, (laughs) I'm kicking in every single door I see. I don't care. (laughs) It's another game system, but I was running Aftermath uh, Operation Sydney, where it's supposedly taking place on the. Sydney on the University of Sydney campus in Australia after a nuclear war and a bioweapon. And at one point you are literally going through the dorms and it's like every single room you go to, there might be one little interesting thing in there, but you don't run, you run to maybe one opponent per floor. And yeah, you're right. It's like you go into room after room after room after room. Oh, look, he's got a stuffed Yoda. Yay. Hmm. What's here? Oh, uh, an empty bottle collection. Yay. 
And here's a mutant. Ah! What the? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but it does handle that problem that you were mentioning that you had a hard time struggling with. Yeah, I don't know why I can't uh, suspend that disbelief, but that one's always bugged me. Always. Well, again, I think that just gets to what Carl was talking about. You know, everybody has their emphasis in role-playing games they like, and, you know, that just doesn't scratch your particular itch is all. Well, I actually love the exploration part. I would say I love exploration more than combat. It's just the premise of a pitched battle and the guys three doors from you don't do anything <laughs> or don't hear it. Yeah. You know? It's the whole dungeon ecology kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, well, you want, you know, you, you need to have the people or creatures around an area react to what's happening in the areas that they can, you know, notice. And, you know, also if you're really, really getting into it, you know, all of the creatures that are living together in this dungeon need to have some kind of realistic reason that they would all be living together um, as opposed to, well, here's three ogres guarding a pie. <laughs> and next For one no is a Balrog. Yeah, and, and then after that is a hellhound, and then the next door over are a couple of kobolds. Yep. You know, <laughs> and they all live together and they love each other. Guarding a hostess fruit pie. <laughs> maybe, maybe the reason, maybe they don't love each other, and that's the reason they don't come when they hear their <laughs> guys fighting. Yeah. Sounds like someone else's problem. <laughs> uh, I just have this mental image of you're in there fighting the three orcs guarding the pie, and the Balrog next door is beating his weapon against the wall, like you know, neighbors in an apartment complex. <laughs> Shut up! What? Quiet down! I'm sleeping Excuse over me. here. <laughs> I'm gonna tell the super. <laughs> or like Carl said, they're thrilled that their neighbors yeah. are getting slaughtered, <laughs> and they're thinking, "Yes, I'm gonna get to move into that cave. I've been I, keeping my eye on it for <laughs> some time." I <laughs> never did ass. care. I never did care for Orlock. <laughs> <laughs> he smelled Always. funny. Always left his dirty laundry out on the floor. <laughs> well, Liz, you mentioned multiple ogres, and I totally forgot about Krugella. I always add her into the game, too. She's Krugel's <laughs> wife. Krugella. 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 Yeah. That sounds like a sitcom. <laughs> it could be. That could I be, mean, yeah. That could after work. Mayberry Game of Thrones, why not? <laughs> Cragella Deville. Mad about ogres. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Vargog, though the first part of it, the part we were all talking about, does do um, a good job combat-wise of of being more than just a bunch of goblins to fight. Mm -hmm. There definitely is a bunch of goblins to fight, but there's also some magic users mixed in there, a few other monsters, things like that. So it's not just a kick the door in, kill the four goblins, take their stuff. Kick the door in, kill six goblins, take their stuff. What's y'all's opinion on the ghost naga downstairs? I think the ghost naga is cool. I like the creature. I like that it's not just the goblin king or something stupid like that. The boss. I don't know at how the end I. Of the level. What's that? The boss at the end of the level. Right. Yeah. It. It, I just don't know how I feel about it being the, it's kind I don't know, Nagas are kind of cool, but I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, 
don't know how I feel about it being like the last monster. But I think it's interesting because it, it, I mean, the way it attacks, the way it reacts to people, uh, and that it is a creature you would normally not think about if they didn't put it on the cover of the book. Yeah. <laughs> but again, cult of the reptile god. Yeah, I was just going to say that. You know, now that Carl mentioned True. that was one of the modules that influenced him, I'm like, huh, okay, yeah. well, I guess that explains the Naga, doesn't it? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, Nagas generally aren't a monster that I think of, you know, ooh, what I, you know what I need to put in this adventure? A Naga. You know, just, it doesn't jump to me. I don't know why, but when I was a kid playing D&D, I loved Nagas. I really thought they were so cool. And I, I had a... Um, uh, I want to say I called them Silver Elves, which I... I don't really like the sound of now when I say it out loud. Uh, uh, <laughs> and I think silver elves do exist in some, f- somewhere in a second edition splat book. There's a silver elf, I'm sure. Oh, there's um, an everything <laughs> elf. And there are uh, rock but... elves in, in second edition. I mean, lava like, elves. Yeah. yeah. But my, but my silver elves um, rode nagas. <laughs> they had naga uh, uh, sentries, cavalry. Um, I don't. I don't know why, but so when I saw the Naga, I was like, "That's that's pretty cool. That's that's pretty cool right there." Uh, what I but, really like about it is it's not. It's part of an. It's kind of like the. I don't want to compare it to the Balrog, but it's kind of like the Balrog. It's not part of the current mm-hmm. thing that's going on in Bakkenberg. Like this is an ancient thing. It's been locked away for a long time. The goblins are scared of it. They don't go in there. That kind of thing. I like that. I like that. It's. It's in the adventure, but it's not, it's kind of like a bonus history lore type thing to connect to the the air, background of Aird, right? And if you don't fool with it, it's not going to fool with you. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, how many player characters are not going to fool with it? Nevertheless, <laughs> if you get your ass kicked by the ghost Naga, you have only yourself to blame. Yep. <laughs> I, I genuinely like how um, Aired sort of presents this sort of lost age that that you are kind of in the ruins of when you adventure. I I think that's just really... Yeah, every I mean, every module I think that I've read so far that was set and aired has something to kind of hint at a, a, an age before you. Um, so I, I appreciate having that because it makes the world feel more. Um, there's more depth there. It makes the world feel bigger than the than the game you're playing at that time. Yeah, I'm not a campaign setting guy, but the the sprinkled bits of lore in this. With the NPCs and the, the encounters and stuff like that, the little bits of it that are put in there really do make it compelling and and make you realize like it is, you know, there there is a bigger world than just Bachkenberg or, you know, keep on the Borderlands. This is just the keep. And there's a creepy guy that lives in the woods and there's some lizard people. <laughs> and so, they're all of monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and on the one hand, especially with all the background and everything, it does make, I think, Bodkenberg a little harder to drop into a non-aired campaign. Or at least it seems like it would. 
I could oh. see it fitting in a very old school Greyhawk style campaign. You sure? It's it's. I don't know. I I won't go there. But anyway, <laughs> well, hold hold up. Here's the biggest thing about CNC is you can take out what you want, leave in what you want, and this. I think can go in any campaign setting because if you don't want to use those NPCs, cut them out. If you don't want them to have the backstories that they have, but you still want to use them, use them that way. Um, I don't I think, think you have to tie but it to again. I the think area. that's our experience talking. Uh, a new castle keeper. I mean, we all remember when we first started running games. You know, there was always kind of that unsaid pressure of it's in the module, so you have to use it. Yeah, there. I could and, see that. And that could be a bit overwhelming, I would, I'm would. i afraid. I don't know. I think a lot of game masters, new or not, think of everything in the module as something the players have to figure out as well. So yeah. I think having that pressure of like, oh, no, they're supposed to figure this out. They're supposed to figure out that this guy has a secret plan. They're supposed to figure this out. If they don't, then they haven't experienced the whole module and I have done something wrong. Um. But that also, I think, is the thing that makes Botkinburg hard to drag and drop, I think, is because it's kind of a campaign seed in and of itself. You could really have a lot of narrative and a lot of role play and conflict and probably even quite a bit of combat if it came to that, just with the town of Botkinburg. Yeah. I mean, you could run a quote-unquote village campaign with this. Mm -hmm. And you've got Volkmar successor to the elderly former lord of the area and he's kind of like georgie porgy from black adder you know <laughs> he, he's not that bright he makes bad decisions and all he really wants to do is enjoy himself as a petty noble and just dismisses the stories of the terrible things that are happening mm -hmm. around him as, you know, just old wives tales or, you know, well, they're just peasants. They get scared of everything. They don't know what they're talking about. And, you know, that's one of the things that I, that I kind of really liked about Blacktooth Ridge is that you've got this guy in charge who is, you know, sticking his head in the sand like an ostrich and, you know, just derpy, 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 der, you know. Black Adder. Oh, travelers, yes, come, tell me stories, entertain me, you know, and. After all, I am one of your betters. Yeah, you know. Mm. And you it's could... almost like a Mask of the Red Death thing getting ready to happen, you know, <laughs> partying while, you know, terrible things are closing in from the outside world. Fiddling while Botkinburg burns. Yeah. The beach is open again. <laughs> <laughs> we can't tell anyone about the, the goblins. What will that do to the tourist season? <laughs> There's another adventuring area called Dungard, which is maybe the most dangerous part of the entire module. Uh, and it's cobalt. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of a, a clever little, uh, like, the cobalt area, no sweat. And <laughs> they're just going to rip you apart. It's awful. They got, like, <laughs> wear rats on chains, and there's a wraith and a shadow underneath their dwelling. 
Okay, one more thing that I want to mention. Roach worms. Mm-mm. That was nasty. <laughs> Tasty deep fried roach worms. Even like, better than rat on a stick. No, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Davis. He may not have actually come up with that himself, but I blame him for doing it. Roach worms. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty nasty. Yeah. You just got to pour some sludge on them and they'll just <laughs> shrivel up. <laughs> I think you should be able to weaponize the sludge. <laughs> it should work like napalm. <laughs> Make little Molotov cocktails of sludge. <laughs> Except you don't even have to light it. It just. <laughs> yeah, so overall, like I said in the beginning, I'm a big fan. Your mileage may vary. I think it's definitely one of those things that's a good cut and paste. And take what you want, um, leave out what you want kind of deal. Agreed. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I'll keep running it at conventions just because I've ran it so many times, but it's definitely a, a go-to for me. Probably will remain so. Anybody else got any <laughs> last words like that? Final thoughts. Oh, Final I thoughts. I, I agreed with you. Um, it's, like I said, I, I lifted Kruggles. I might lift the Cobalt layer. Um, definitely for higher than first level party though, but yeah, the overall setting, I, I gotta admit this. I'm not a huge fan of aired. Um, I know it, a lot of people love it and that's great. And I don't mean to, to come down on it. It's just not my cup of tea because of the high fairy tale content of it. Mm-hmm. And that's just not my bag. I mean, it works for some people and that's cool, but, um, but it's got some good things to, to lift. You know, I'm there's some nifty stuff here. Well, like I said, I've never actually run Blacktooth Ridge. I'm like most everyone else seems to be saying here, if I were going to do it, I would. Yeah, I'd probably be, you know, tearing stuff out wholesale. Um, and uh, fewer people with an agenda in the town. And um, more emphasis on the stuff going on in the area. Um, Like I mentioned before, I really like the whole idea of the nobleman in charge just being oblivious to the encroaching dangers. And you could, I, if I was going to do a campaign on this, that's probably something that I would want to just really double down on. And, the fact, you know, the characters are in a position where if anything is going to change here, we're going to have to do it ourselves and we're going to have to somehow get around this noble who, you know, he's not evil, he's not mean, but he just absolutely refuses to believe that, you know, things are going wrong. He needs and that's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> but that's probably you know what I would do with this if I was going to if I was going to run this. There's a lot here. There's a lot here, um, uh, uh, and and a lot of it is stuff that you can pull out and place where you want. 
I, I, I think the town would be the most difficult to do that with, but the town is also the most difficult thing in this module to run. Um, but if you were going to place the town somewhere, you would really need it uh, to be near more points of interest for the town to kind of uncover itself. I, I think part of the problem is the inhabitants of the town, a, a lot of them are so shady that I don't know that an adventuring party would stick around long enough to uncover all of the information in the town just because, I don't know, I think you would just be like, well, I'm getting out of here before <laughs> somebody has a secret agenda against me. Uh, but, um, I mean, there's so much in this module that there's a, a talking otter in it, and we didn't even mention it. <laughs> <laughs> That's utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Why, I otter. Um, <laughs> on the otter hand. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot here, a lot of it. I mean, it's it. Th there's so much here. It actually reminds me uh, uh, of like the old D and D gazetteers that had like just module seeds that you could kind of pull in place. But yeah. these are these are more fully realized than those, and um, yeah. you, you could easily take any of these encounters and and have an evening of play with them. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, it's very gazetteery. Yeah. Yeah, in general, it has the location, it has the map, and it has the uh, all of the information on the NPCs, and then just a whole bunch of uh, uh, quest quest areas, uh, adventure uh, uh, domains. Uh, but you know, I say this, I I think there might be enough adventure here to kind of explore the whole town. I, I think I I may have got lost in the weeds about how many different because. Uh, there's a whole another one that we haven't talked about called the stone house, which is a hobgoblin raider. Um, yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot here to, to, even if you never ran the module as is that you could just pull out and, and have an evening of play in your campaign. Okay, everyone. That was episode 23. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you check out this module and we'll see you next time. So long. Farewell. Alvita saying good night. It's your turn, Mike. Free arc. <laughs> <laughs> With an otter's accent. <laughs> Whatever that is. Some games may change, but the castle's Crusade Siege engine remains the same. Hello Crusaders, this is Carl. I need to announce that this will be my last episode of the Crusader podcast. I've really enjoyed my time on the show and I am excited to listen to what the show does next. Thank you so much for listening and joining us uh, through all these episodes and I'll be with you listening to all the ones to come. Thanks again.